North Untapped is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. In what might be one of the most unsurprising polls in recent months, a new Main Street research study commissioned by the advocacy group Open Media indicates that Canadians are fed up with corporate monopolies. What might be more surprising, or perhaps encouraging, is that this broad consensus crosses party lines and income brackets and spans across all provinces. As of 2019, five corporate grocery chains controlled 80% of grocery sales and an even smaller group of telecom companies controlled 91% of mobile phone and internet services. A whopping 75% of Canadians believe this corporate concentration significantly affects prices for those services. This is especially notable in a country where consumers pay among the highest cell phone bills in the world. On the issue of the telcos specifically, 72% of respondents said they lack confidence that the federal government is taking meaningful action to foster a more affordable market. This includes a majority of Liberal voters. There are also concerns about the weaknesses of Canada's competition laws. Almost 70% of Canadians believe that this country's existing regulations are set up to benefit large corporations. Just 7% believe those laws benefit consumers. The polling data will come as little surprise to many especially as it follows news earlier this month confirming that Canada's telecom market is going to be concentrated into the hands of even fewer corporate players. Shaw is officially merging with Rogers in a $26 billion deal greenlighted by Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne on April 3rd. I'm Alex Koch, news editor of The Maple, and this week I'm joined again by Matt Hatfield from Open Media to talk about Canada's seemingly unanimous dislike of the telco oligopoly. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So when we spoke last summer, you noted at that time that, you know, because of the many scandals that Rogers had been (laughs) facing at that time, including a really major uh, service outage, uh, along with other factors, there was a chance, it seemed, that the Shaw-Rogers deal might actually fall through and not happen. And the Competition Bureau had, at that point, spoken out quite strongly against it. So can you explain to us like what happened between then and now and how did we get to this point? Yeah, so a bunch of things happened. So the Competition Bureau is not the body that makes the final decision in cases like this. They're a body that monitors competition and tries to take action when they see a competition problem. And they identified one in this case. Uh, they took that to the Competition Tribunal, which is the judicial body that evaluates the facts of the case and decides uh, based off the laws we have, um, does their case hold up or does it not? And so they lost the case at the tribunal uh, and their appeal. Does that mean they were wrong to think the the deal was bad for Canadians? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, It just means they weren't able to make a case stick under the laws we have. Uh, And unfortunately, this was always a pretty likely outcome because the law in Canada on competition is really strongly stacked against the the board on this issue. Um, It's why the board doesn't actually push this hard against mergers that often. Uh, In the whole history of competition law in Canada, I think a merger has only been stopped once in over 100 years. Uh, And usually what happens is a deal will go ahead, but the board will attach some conditions to it that are supposed to try to reduce some of the anti-competitive aspects. It doesn't usually work that well, but that's what's happened here. There's some conditions on the deal, but the deal is moving ahead. Right. I definitely want to get more into the, the, the kind of weaknesses of the laws and regulations surrounding these kinds of mergers. But First, can you remind us what this deal will likely mean for Canadian wireless customers going forward? 
Yeah, I mean, if you listen to what Rogers has to say about it, it's going to be amazing. There's going to be lots of jobs and lower prices and unicorns in there somewhere. Like the reality is, companies don't do de deals like this to hire more people or to spend more money. They do it to consolidate, and they do it in the expectation that over time they're going to cut their internal costs, but also probably be able to jack up prices a bit on on the rest of us. Uh, and that's more or less what Rogers has promised to people when they talk to the, the investor side. They've taken considerable loans on. Uh, in order to make this deal happen. And they're going to need to repay those loans. And so finding a way of increasing revenue is going to be a key part of that. And that's likely to come on our backs sooner or later. And all of this was was well known right from the outset, right? Like, I mean, you you guys and various other advocacy groups were pretty tirelessly pointing this out day in and day out. <laughs> really seems like uh, everyone was aware of this fact, but it was just, uh, I guess, ignored. Is that the best way to understand it? Yeah, I mean, almost no one uh, in the whole country really liked this deal. I think uh, an MP at committee at one point said, "Did it, does anyone in this room think this deal is good for Canadians besides the people here directly paid by Rogers and Shaw? And I don't think anyone piped up. Um, I, again, we sort of have this very weak uh, ability to hold deals like this to account. So even if we can all look at it and say, well, this is clearly bad, which I think just about everyone in Canada did, when it comes to being able to legally say no to the deal, Canada's on very weak footing in this case and in other competition issues as well. Yeah, so like you say, like every single person uh, except the people directly involved uh, with the merger uh, was pretty force forcefully against this deal. Um, so there really seems to be this this vast disconnect. So we should also we should also note this is not only um, you know MPs and politicians and advocacy groups like yours that are that were speaking out against this, but there, as your polling shows, that there's there's a really widespread sentiment against this kind of deal among the general public. Um, so it really seems like there's this vast disconnect between public attitudes and sentiments and the laws that regulate corporate competition. Would that be fair to say? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, what people actually want and believe uh, can always be a struggle to translate into what happens uh, in any democracy. And I think here, one of the big barriers is that the way our laws are set up, it was really written with this belief that actually quite explicitly Canadian consumers should pay higher prices in order to nurture large Canadian companies. And the idea was that, well, we're going to build these companies up and then they're going to go out into the international community and become global leaders and do all these things. That's not really what's happened, uh, especially in telecom, um, where these companies have just proven happy to, to sit here and, and milk us. And they, they really actually haven't shown high levels of investment or dynamism. Our, their investment has actually fallen well below global averages in recent years uh, in terms of how much they're even investing in their own networks here. They're just turning it into higher dividends for their shareholders. And as I understand it, part of the rationale of, behind this this pretty weak regulation was, you know, the fear that American players would move into the Canadian market. But, you know, <laughs> does that seem like such a, a, a daunting prospect now that we're seeing this kind of corporate uh, consolidation in Canada? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that argument that's made in favor of these these lax regulations? I think that's such a deep question for Canada, because so much of how this country is set up was built on this fear of America. And we need to protect uh, independent ownership and autonomy and creative content from America. And I'm not saying there's nothing to that, but I think the world has also shifted a lot since that early model where America really was our primary uh, uh, other country we engaged with on just about everything. You know, Canadians are much more connected to the world as a whole these days. 
And I think it, when it comes to looking at uh, our relationship with companies and cultural forces in every other country, people are more open to the idea of having connections across borders. When when it was just us in the States, there was just so much fear of being overwhelmed by this this one other country. I won't ask you to comment on this specifically, but I'll also note that, you know, this this kind of argument that we need to have an independent Canadian uh industrial base uh, from the United States really kind of, I think, falls apart when you look at other sectors. Something that I look at a lot is like the the arms procurement industry. I mean, pretty much every major Canadian military contact contract uh, is, is done with United States suppliers, like with the F-35 deal that we recently saw. Uh, so it just seems to me that there's a pretty clear double standard that they don't mind uh, American players dominating the market in some sectors, but it seems that this argument gets employed to protect large uh, telco oligopolies uh, in, in that sector. Uh, and I, I find it a bit, uh, a bit of a weak, a weak case, to be quite honest. And I guess, so lo- looking at the issue of, of monopolies and oligopolies more generally, that brings us to this uh, polling data. Uh, so before we get into the details of it, can you tell us a bit about why Open Media decided to commission this poll and like how you hope its findings will be used in public discussions about the telcos going forward? Yeah, I, I should be clear. We, we came into this equally with uh, ECO, uh, the advocacy group that used to be known as some of us. Um, they've been our collaborator and are, are doing great work on these issues. Um, but sometimes something I think we we both get as groups sometimes is a bit of pushback on, okay, you're a citizens group and it's citizens who you know write your letters and send your emails and, and get involved that way. But like, are you really representative of Canadians as a whole? Or is there just this smaller group of Canadians who really, really care about this one issue, but but don't represent that that broad community? Um, and I think like most of us intuitively know, you know, just from looking at our own bills or, or talking to our friends and family, that a lot of people do care about this. And over the course of the Roger Shaw campaign, we we engaged with a lot of other different group uh, citizens groups, you know, Lead Now, Acorn, um, and now Eco. Um, but we still wanted to to go a little bit further and. As we respond to this, there's an open uh, Competition Act uh, consultation, or, or there was at the time we were doing this polling, and we wanted to show that this was a truly cross-Canada um, feeling that there was an issue here, and and that's why we did the polling that we did. Yeah, the, the margins uh, were were pretty staggering. <laughs> well, I, I guess not staggering in the sense that like I, I wasn't surprised, as I mentioned at the top. I think this was you know just based on anecdotal conversations that you have with people. Uh, there is a clear uh, I think consensus about this issue uh, on the problem of monopolies. Were you at all surprised by any of the poll findings, and like, were the margins bigger than you expected? I mean, certainly we hoped to see that people agreed with us there was a problem, but I think the 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 size of the margin and the consistency across basically every divide in Canada was a surprise to us. So, I mean, you know, and I know that we're living in a very polarized time. It can feel like everyone's working with different facts, and it was astounding to see fractions like 92% of people thinking that the concentration of our companies is raising their prices. Um, that's not a, an NDP talking point or a conservative talking point. That's every Canadian pretty much saying that that's a problem. Yeah, that, that really was staggering. And especially, you know, like a, a huge majority of Liberal Party voters think that the party that they support is not doing enough uh, to take action on this. Um and despite this, I mean, we, we have seen some politicians like speak up against this and to, to kind of push for, for change. But the, the response, in my view, has seems to have been rather tepid 
when measured against the sheer intensity of feeling among the public, as shown by this polling data. So it doesn't look like anyone is really willing to put their money where their mouth is in terms of radical change on this. Uh, like, why, why is that, do you think? Or, or do you disagree with that, perhaps? No, I, I think you're broadly right. I encourage everyone to reach out to their MP if this matters to you. People might think that it all goes into a void and it doesn't matter. I can tell you it does matter. MPs do know uh, when they get a bunch of emails on something. If you give them a call on their phone, that's like a, a times 10 or times 100 of, of your impact. Um, you can do that with us, but you can do it on your own as well. Uh, I think there's two things going on, though. I think one is that uh, telecom issues and even monopoly issues are are a big issue, but there's a lot of issues. And so I, I'm never going to tell people your phone bill is necessarily more important than your health care or climate change and things like that. And politicians know that there's only so much bandwidth in politics, and they're going to concentrate on the top two or three things. And uh, concentrated interests like those of these megacorps can quietly have a huge sway on what actually happens on you know the next five or 10 biggest issues after those top two or three. I think that's it. And it's also that some of the people most severely affected by poor telecom uh, connectivity, they're least able to be heard. Uh, they're not able to send emails. They're not able to reach their MP. They don't have the time. Um, we hear from people saying, you know, I'm cutting my food budget in order to afford internet. I need to stay in touch with my grandchildren. But a lot of those folk aren't even able to reach out to us, frankly. And it's a, it's a challenge for us as well. I think that's a really key point. I mean, as your poll showed, you know, the, the kind of concern about corporate monopolization in Canada covers all income brackets. But you would assume that some of the higher income brackets, uh, those individuals, you know, for them, a higher cell phone bill is a nuisance, but it's not like a, a kind of make or break decision. Whereas for poorer people who maybe lack the means and the time and the energy to to advocate and to, to contact government maybe are, are affected even worse by this. Do you hear a lot about like, what, what do you hear from your members on that as well? Like, you know, in terms of like effective ways of, of engaging with um, elected officials on this, like what are some tactics that y your organization has found effective and that your members, uh, you know, engage in? It all adds up. I mean, uh, they do uh, respond in some way to having a high volume of emails. If they're getting at a, at a local level, you know, even a dozen emails can, can have an impact. Uh, for a federal MP, if they're getting a few hundred emails on something, they, they, they realize it's an issue. I think it often opens the door for us to meet with some of these MPs and uh, give them a deeper dive on what's going on and what needs to change. Um, there's only so much we can reasonably put in, in a simple email they were asking people to read and understand and then send but it, it forces them to pay a bit more attention to citizens groups than they otherwise would but the skills are still very t tilted you know like uh, if you look at the rogers and bells of the world they're having hundreds of of advocacy or from lobbying meetings from their side uh each year when we're, we're lucky to get a few dozen i'd say Right, that, that huge uh, imbalance between the contact that these large corporations have with government versus ordinary grassroots citizens is pretty clear. Maybe we also saw that recently when uh, former industry minister Navdeep Bains joined Rogers as the company's new chief corporate affairs officer. This seems to be the, the, the latest example of the politics to industry pipeline that we seem to see all the time in Canadian politics. Another recent example is BC Premier John Horgan uh, joining the board of a coal company. When I saw that, I, I genuinely thought it was an April Fool's, but uh, sadly it was real. Does this culture of you know transitioning from government to these high-power corporate jobs in very powerful oligopolistic companies tell us anything about the federal government's failure to act on addressing this issue in Canada? It's a national disgrace. 
People who are exerting a lot of power over powerful industries should not be allowed to take well-paid positions in those industries shortly after they leave power. It really calls into question their judgment on those issues while they were acting for us with the power we give them. You know, like when did they first start thinking about their own personal future? Uh, can we be sure that they exercised their power as they should have without considering this? Of course we can't. So we've just been hearing, Canadians have heard a lot from Minister Champagne, the current industry minister, about how strongly he's going to hold telecom companies to account. Well, his immediate predecessor, Minister Baines, who was the top official on telecom, just became a Rogers executive. And not only is he a Rogers executive, he's someone who's going to be uh, overseeing Rogers' efforts to engage government. If some upcoming changes to our lobbying rules uh, happen, he could even engage people directly, people that he employed uh, on, on behalf of Rogers. It's, it's an abomination for our democracy, frankly. And I, I hate that there is nothing we can do about it at this point in terms of uh, it's not illegal. Um, it doesn't seem to be seen as particularly problematic by Baines's former colleagues. And I think there's something we need to change to have, uh, have a functional democracy, frankly, on this front. Yeah, it's something I, I often describe as uh, corruption, Western liberal democracy style. Uh, it's uh, it's just lobbying when when it happens over here. I, I would be interested to ask Minister Champagne if you know he would rule out ever taking a job at a telco uh, like his predecessor. I wonder what he would say to that if he would have anything to say at all. You mentioned that this idea of the, or this 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 problem that we have of not really having any way to to change this in the poll that you commissioned there's clearly a very uh, strong consensus around the problem of corporate monopolies is there any sign of a clear agreement among the general public about what specific solutions to this problem might be because there's a whole range of different proposals that that that, that we see you know there are some people who argue that we should have a, a, a public option there are some who want to to increase uh, market competition is there a clear consensus there among the public on that do you think i don't think there's a clear consensus and we didn't ask people about every single option um but i think it's if people are interested it's worth looking at the full results there's a little something there for everyone uh, the results are on our website and i think uh in some cases uh more left-wing people might be surprised to see uh that uh, right-wing voters are very much aligned with them on these large companies being a problem. And I think right-wing people might be a little surprised to see that left-wing voters are actually very aligned with them on more market competition being one important piece of solving this problem. I don't think anything we do is going to be a, a whole solution. Um, but one of the reasons that open media really pushes for wholesale uh, rate reduction and MVNO service, these are basically ways of getting more small ISPs into the telco market, is that we think it would have a fairly immediate um, short-term and mid-term benefit on our prices uh, in a way that is actually really broadly popular uh, with Canadians across the board. I think nationalizing telcos or a public option is absolutely worth considering. Um, it's a much heavier lift for government uh, and it's, it's a bigger risk and maybe wouldn't have as much cross-partisan support. So if, if there's ever a government in power that has an interest in it, I think it should be part of the discussion of how we could do that well. But for now, in terms of what's most politically viable, this is actually a, a really viable thing to get more competition into the market. Super interesting. Um, can you tell us a bit more about uh, some of the steps that your organization plans to do over the coming months uh, on this issue? You know, we, 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 for those of us who are concerned about this, this, this is, you know, a major defeat in some ways that we've experienced recently with this merger. So like what is uh, Open Media's kind of plan of action for the, for the coming period? 
So our recent focus has really been on trying to prevent more mergers like this happening in the future, not in telco and ideally not in any corporate sector in Canada. So as I was saying, there was just a huge consultation, a public consultation the government did on reforming competition law. Uh, we, we collaborated with ECO on a lengthy submission and got, a, I think, over 23,000 people endorsed a, an anti-monopoly charter that we did around that. Our focus is, is always on the telecom side, but I think it's clear to everyone that there's a much wider and deeper problem with, with how uh, the relationship of large companies and uh, governments in Canada. And we're trying to get some change there as well. So we have asked the government to do a What We Heard report on their competition consultation which is where they sort of summarize what they heard from everyone who participated and gives a, a little window into what they're going to do next. The big piece is going to be seeing what they do around reforming competition law. And is it going to be enough to stop, say, Bell or Telus from merging together in a couple of years from now? Because I've heard people from those companies tell me that is something they are thinking about very seriously, given Rogers's move. And as bad as being in a three telco environment is, we can't be in a two telco environment. Definitely. Well, that's great. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today, Matt. Uh, can you remind listeners where they can go to, to follow your organization's work and perhaps some other resources they might look at to, to learn more about this issue? Yes, you could visit us on openmedia.org. And uh, we are always working to make the internet a better place in terms of access and privacy and free expression and everything else. I encourage you to come and join our campaigns or give us your feedback. Great. Thanks very much, Matt. My pleasure. North Untapped is a podcast brought to you by The Maple. To support our work, please go to readthemaple.com and press subscribe. Thank you for your support.